This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 24. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am Brian Hood. And before we get to today's episode, I want to let you know a little something, a little, little secret. And that is, I have a brand new free 90-minute workshop that you can join today. It is a workshop that's going to teach you three very, very important things if you want to have a successful home studio or successful studio in general, commercial, home, or otherwise. And these are three things that you cannot have a successful studio without. So the first thing is more leads. A lead is basically just someone that is your ideal customer, right? How can you find more of your ideal customers or have them find you? So that's the first thing we talk about in this 90-minute workshop, how to get more leads. The second thing is how to get more leads to turn into customers, right? So you can have all the leads in the world. You can have a thousand potential customers, but if they will not give you money, then those leads are worthless. So we're going to talk about how to take a lead and turn it into a paid project, how to convert that lead to a customer. And so now you have a lot of leads and you turn those leads into customers, right? And so now you're full-time, right? You're booked up six months in advance. You're doing great. Wrong. Now you have to actually get a decent rate because if you're making $3 an hour for the next six months, you will be broke. So we're going to talk about the third thing in this 90 minute workshop, and that is how to get paid consistent rates. So again, the first thing is consistent leads. The second thing is consistent conversions. And the third thing in this workshop is consistent rates. So if you want to join that workshop right now, you can just go over to theprofitable.studio. That's actually the URL. I bought this URL just for this workshop. That is theprofitable.studio. And just so you know, it's not theprofitablestudio.com. No, 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 no. It's theprofitable.studio. So if you're struggling to find clients, you're struggling to get paid consistent rates, you're struggling to convert leads to clients, then this is going to be something that is going to be very beneficial for you. So do not forget, once this episode is over or whenever you're done driving or whatever it is you're doing, go over to theprofitable.studio and sign up for that free 90-minute workshop. So with all that being said, now let's get into today's episode, my conversation with Chris Graham. So today's episode is one where uh, Chris and I always, we just have conversations before these episodes because Chris and I uh, are, are good friends now. And we just talk about stuff. We talk about business. We talk about life. We talk about coffee a lot now recently. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the things that came up today was how selfish we can be in business sometimes, especially mm. when you think about the topic of us being the Six Figure Home Studio podcast and me running a website called the thesixfigurehomestudio.com. You know, naturally, the conversation is about business. And a lot of our topics of conversation are about how to earn more money. But the problem with that is it really promotes more of a self-serving approach uh, to business sometimes if you, if you don't approach it the right way. And I thought this would be a really good episode to kind of sit down and reassess what your approach to your business is. Here's what I mean. When you run a studio and you want to earn more money, you start thinking about all these little tactics you can employ to make more money or to mm-hmm. find more leads or to, earn, you know, or to maximize your price or to stand out from your competitors. At the end of the day, people don't necessarily pay you for your studio or for your expertise or for your feature or benefit. People pay you for the end result. So here's kind of what I mean. I use this, um, 
in a, in a training I recently made. And that is people don't buy a hammer to hammer a nail into the wall, right? That you would think that's what it is, but that's not what it is. They don't really want that. They buy a hammer because they want to hang a, you know, a photo on their wall or a piece of art on their wall so that the room can look beautiful. They're looking for the end result. And so artists are paying you good hard earned dollars so you can give them what they want, which is amazing quality uh, recording or mix or master so that they can become famous or so they can, uh, you know, insert whatever their end goal is as a musician. You know, local bands, maybe that's not their end goal. Maybe their end goal is just to touch somebody's life or immortalize their music in a way that they can, you know, listen to it for generations to come. You know, it's music's basically immortal once it's created. So whatever the end goal is, now let's talk about Chris, like what does it look like to be unselfish in business? Well, first of all, I think it might be good to talk about what it looks like to be selfish And I think one of the reasons that people have a hard time running studios for a living is that the sort of natural inclination is to cast yourself as the hero to say, come to me, I'm cool. You're not, I can make you cool. And while that might be true for many people, many amazing producers, um, people don't hire heroes. People hire guides. People see themselves as the hero. Your clients see themselves as the hero And they're not looking for another hero to hog the spotlight. What they're looking for is a guide. And and I'd like to take this time to to point out, every single person listening to this podcast is the hero in their own minds, their hero to their own story. Yeah. And so if Chris and I sat here every episode and just talked ourselves up and just talked about all of our own accomplishments and all the things we're doing in our lives to make our lives amazing, you would not, you would not be a listener. You wouldn't want to listen to that. No one would listen to that. Yeah. But because Chris and I talk about guiding you, the listener, through your journey to a full time career in recording, our podcast is growing every single week, every single month. We get more and more listeners, and you know we've had over forty thousand downloads now. So for you, or let's just say, Chris, for the average studio owner. Uh, how can we start looking at this from a different perspective? And I, I actually want to stop here and say I was more guilty of this than anyone in my career. That's probably not true. I'm sure I was more guilty of it than you were. I'm sure. <laughs> well, let's see. Like my entire career, um, I never thought about what really what my clients wanted in, in this in this way. And I would have loved to have this episode to kind of open my eyes to that because yeah. I could have had a lot more success if I had this this type of approach to business where it's not me trying to you know maximize my business all of the time and try to extract as much value as I can from my from my customers or from my artists, but more of how can I get them to where they want to be? How can I take them from where they are to where they want to be? So it's a lot more about how to nurture these these artists who are you know local artists with with bigger than local aspirations and help to develop them into bigger touring artists. How do I help equip them to have what they need to get a higher level of success? And I had several bands who did this on their own. And I did help one or two as much as I could, kind of mentoring them, but I could have done a whole lot more. And those one or two bands that kind of blew up, had success, you know, those are the ones that really pulled my career along for the ride. And and without them, you know, I may not have been able to get to where I've gotten so far. Yeah. So I think as you're thinking about your business, let's talk about movies. If your experience in the studio is a movie, let's say it's Star Wars, an artist comes- Which one? um, Let's say uh, the first three, the good ones. there we go. The oldest ones. Yeah. So you come in, an artist comes into your studio. Who are you in the story? Are you Luke Skywalker? Are you Darth Vader? Or are you Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda? And the artist is Luke Skywalker. 
I think in great customer service situations, in great studios, with great human beings, they see themselves as an Obi-Wan, not as a Luke Skywalker. They see the people they're helping as a Luke Skywalker. They see their potential and they see what's keeping them from accomplishing what they want, what's keeping them from saving the day, and they help them through that. Another great illustration is if your studio is the Lord of the Rings, are you Frodo? Are you the ring bearer? No, dude. You should totally, totally be Gandalf. You should totally be the guy who's helping, who's guiding, but not the one who's actually executing on the thing. And one of the best ways to look at this is to understand what it's like to be an artist. For an artist, when you come into the studio, it is more intense, it is more nerve-wracking, it is more um, uncomfortable than if you were going to post, bear with me here, naked pictures of yourself on the internet. If you were to (laughs) post naked pictures of yourself on the internet, it'd be really nerve-wracking because you'd want to look hot. You'd want to make sure... (laughs) That when you post those pictures that no one's going to be like, bro, you need to work out, dude, lay off the Mountain Dew. Like you're going to want to look good when you're recording a song. And this is how it is for your artists. When they're recording the song, it's like putting a naked picture of their soul out there. Every single person who listens is going to render judgment on the condition of this person's soul. That is freaking intense. And that's why artists need our help. When we can help them do that, when we can help ease that transition, we can encourage them, we can help them say, oh, bro, um, that that thing that you're wearing is not going to look good. That hat's not going to look good in your naked picture. What that's so silly. That's fedora. Fedora. Yeah, don't wear a fedora in your naked naked (laughs) picture. So this is intense and we have to see ourselves as a Gandalf, as a Yoda, as someone who's an assistant, as someone who is um, as a guide, who is, how can you position yourself as a guide as opposed to a hero in the story? And I really believe that when you do that well, you get more clients. The clients are turned off by the prototypical audio engineer that's like, I'm, the, I'm awesome and I know all sorts of cool stuff that you don't, so you need me to be the hero and make your record awesome. Yeah, I knew our first, the first EP my band ever recorded was with a studio in Alabama where the guy was like that. And, you know, he didn't last another year or two after that. He's, he's long gone now. Yeah. So it's, it's when you cast yourself as a hero that it's a turnoff. So Brian and I had some ideas on just ways that you can serve your customers well, ways that you can put yourself in um, a servant's mentality to them where you can go the extra mile. These have nothing to do with, with how you make them sound. They don't have anything to do with your preamps or your microphones or your monitors or, you know, whatever. It's, it's whether you have tubes in your preamp or whether you have trans, it's none of this stuff. It's about being a good person. It's about loving them well, loving on them well to help them make a better product and to be a better artist. And in the long run, when you do that, people come back. There's a Zig Ziglar quote that I like a lot. It's, you can get anything you want out of life if you can help someone else get exactly what they want out of life. Ooh, I mean, I, I think that is the God's honest truth. And I think that there's a, a temptation in our society to look at people who are running businesses as villains. And well, that might've been well, true. Look at any movie, any movie. It's just yeah. the businessman, the evil businessman. Evil yeah. businessman. Here's the thing, dude. The only way to succeed in business is to provide more value than any other businessman. 
That's it. It's, well, there's a couple. There's a couple other ways you can quote unquote succeed, but I don't consider that real success. Yeah, I think true success is exactly what you just said. Over the long term, the yeah. person who provides the most value makes the most money. That's it. It's always been true. Only in a few instances in all of society have there been situations, you know, like back in the old west where you could show up and say, hey, drink my special potion and it'll make all your ails go away. And then you run when you're done. (laughs) You can't do that anymore. If you do, people will find you on the internet. They'll call you out. They'll give you one star reviews. And you are not going to be able to con people for very long in an internet enabled world. That's awesome. So. We got some ideas on ways that you can hook up your customers, love them well, serve them, set yourself apart from the other D-bags that you're competing with who only want to be the hero in the story. And the first way that you can do that is to ask them about their story. Ask your artist to tell them your story. And I, I love this one, Chris, because this opens up so many opportunities to add value in other ways. Yeah. To, to help them get to where they want to be. Because, you know, that, that Zig Ziglar quote that I talked about, which is, you know, helping someone else get to where they want to be. Uh, you can't really get them to where they want to be if you don't know where they want to be. Yeah. And having these one-on-one conversations is a great way to do it. And so Chris, Chris has a lot of conversations with his clients, even though he works with a lot of different clients, he still makes time to talk to his clients on the phone. You know, me, I don't really talk to my clients as much as I used to because I don't have them coming into my studio anymore. That's an area that I could definitely improve, but just asking their story and then shutting up while they tell you, and then maybe asking a few probing questions about, you know, why is that? Or, Mm. you know, how does that, you know, how does that play into what you guys are going for with this album? You know, asking good questions that dig into their hopes, fears, dreams, and desires is going to help you go a long way. And not only towards building that relationship, but being able to truly help them on their journey. And if you can truly help them on their journey, you're not only just another audio engineer or just another mixing engineer, you are a a friend to them. And as a business owner, if you can be business owner and friend, you are going to have a lot more success. Yeah. So I think it really comes down to looking at this from the artist's perspective If an artist is deciding between, let's say, three people to record with, they're basically going to ask themselves one question. Which one of these people will help us fulfill our dreams, our hopes, etc., the most? That's it. That's what they're going to ask. They're not going to say, well, which one of these guys has um, Neumann microphones? Or which one of these guys has an analog console? They're not going to ask these questions. And even if they do, those questions are all in the service of a bigger question. Which one of these guys or girls is going to help us meet our dreams? Yes. If you know what their dreams are, there are all kinds of ways that you can help them do that instead of just assuming that they want a really warm and punchy record. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I think people understand now asking about their story, having these conversations, truly kind of digging into what they want, but let's do something that's a little more actionable, a little more practical, something you can do today. And that is, let's just say, this is kind of a challenge I want to put out there. If you have a client in your studio today, do this, buy their food for them, buy them lunch, buy them dinner. Why is that, Chris? Well, I don't know about everyone else, but when it comes to me, food is my weakness, man. You buy me something to eat, I'll be your friend for life. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't want to, I hate getting all technical and, and psychology driven on this type of conversation, but it's, it's called the reciprocity effect. If you give someone something, they feel uh, indebted to you, good or bad, they feel indebted to you. And so if you give them, you know, say you buy them a meal and it's truly, you know, no strings attached, you're not just tr- doing it to try to get something out of them. You're just doing it because either I ordered you to just now 
or because that's just what you do for all your clients, uh, that's going to go a long way towards wowing them. Yeah. Well, and this is an even deeper thing than human psychology. You know, if I have, um, I don't know, a squirrel that comes by my front porch and I start feeding it peanuts, it's going to be nice to me. It's going to like me. It's going to keep coming back. All creatures. Squirrels are all, squirrels are all dicks, but well, uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's true. They, they really can be, but food is, <laughs> I don't know. food is this magical thing where all living creatures, they love it. And, you know, I don't think I'm a whole lot different. I like it more than most, but, um, you know, I used to do a thing when I was producing for a living years and years and years ago. And I remember one time that it was particularly great. Uh, I, I had a client, we were in Columbus, Ohio. We went into Nashville. We hired some really great session musicians, really, really top-notch guys. We recorded at was the this sound- that session that you lost that you were talking about. Oh, that you had a like- It actually is the same one. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember this. This is an earlier episode. Yeah, so uh, we went down to the Sound Emporium. We recorded, and I said to my client, the guy I was producing, I said, "You know, we've agreed to, to pay these guys. We have paid them, and as far as we're concerned, we've done our part. But here's what I recommend: let's buy them lunch. We're halfway through our, you know, uh, well, it was the first day, and it was a two or three day session. I don't remember which, and we bought them lunch on that first day." And there was a palpable difference in how those guys played for us after we bought them lunch. It made a huge difference because they felt loved, they felt cared for, they felt respected. And it really changed the vibe of the record because they felt freed up to be like, oh, wow, I like these guys. I'm going to put a little bit more of my blood, sweat, and tears. So buying food for people is amazing. You know, if all things are equal and it's between you and another person that someone's going to hire to engineer their record and you've bought them lunch and the other person hasn't, they're going with you every single time. Yeah, and so it's, it's kind of a two-parter if you're buying food for them. You, first and foremost, it's the, the reciprocity effect. It's the feeling of being generous. People love generous people. Yeah. It, shows the, the, uh, it shows abundance for that person where it's, uh, they're not you know, holding on. Think about how unattractive a cheap person is, just being honest. You know, where they're, they're always holding on to their money. They're never you know, buying drinks or food for anybody. They're uh, you know, always... You know, well, how much is that going to cost me? That kind of attitude yeah. is, it's, it's, it's truly, it's unattractive. Adversarial. So, yeah, it is. And so, you know, you're getting that side of things, but also buying meals and spending time with them is a great way to just have fellowship with, you know, your customers in a way that is going to grow that relationship. And so that is going to pay dividends. It's, I hate to say it, but if you were to put an ROI on my lunches that I have with people or dinners that I have with people, it's pretty damn high and I'm not going to go figure out this out and calculate it, but, but I can, I know for a fact that it is, and that's not my main intention. That's just the result of that sort of approach. Yeah. The other component with that is, is when you do something like this, something selfless, you buy a meal for a potential client, you ask them their story and it changes your mentality. It changes your mindset and it feels good. It feels good to love people well, to mentor them on some level and it changes how you will work on their project. I guarantee you, you'll do better work if you see your clients as a personal investment. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to number three in our list of soda here. <laughs> yeah. And that is the third way to potentially, you know, to wow a customer. Under promise and over delivery, specifically on delivery times, right? Yeah. That was, uh, that's, a, that's a big one, especially in Chris's world, which is mastering, where he has a lot of deliverables with a lot of clients. You know, in my world, I'm not working with a ton of clients, but you can still do this. This is a huge thing in Chris's world because of how many people he's working with and the amount of times he can do this uh, in any given week is much higher than me. Yeah. So let me just say this a few more times. Under promise, over deliver. 
under promise over deliver. So most people do that backwards. Yeah. Most people over promise and under deliver and they think that's the secret to good business. Yeah. I remember I worked with a guy one time. Um, I hired him to do some, some development stuff for me and he just notoriously would say, yeah, I'll have this done for you in two weeks. And two months later, project was still going on. Nope. Or he would say, you know, I know that you guys know these types of people. And, and frankly, audio community, we have to, to own this. We're notorious for over-promising and under-delivering. And that's why artists dread hiring audio engineers. So one of the ways that you can under-promise and over-deliver is to say, let's say you're doing a live recording session and you've agreed on seven songs. You get to the seventh song, you finish it. And you say, you know what, guys, it's going pretty good. I heard you guys riffing on that one cover tune from so-and-so at the beginning while we're sound checking. Why don't we record that real quick? No big deal. I'll give it to you for free. You know, I'll do a rough mix on it for you. No problem. That sort of stuff to say, I am making a personal investment in you. I have a personal interest in your success goes a long way. It gets people to come back. And not only come back, but it gets people to refer others to you. Yeah. The f- we, we've talked about this before with the $5 hamburger. If you pay five bucks for a burger that feels like a $5 hamburger, you're just going to say, eh, that was a five buck hamburger. And you're not going to really tell anyone about it, right? But if it tastes like a $10 hamburger and you're paying $5 for it, then you're telling all your friends about it. Holy yeah. shit, that's the best burger I've ever had for five bucks. That's incredible. Um, it's the same situation here where you're over delivering on what you told them that you would give them. And they're going to leave feeling very, very grateful for what you've done for them. And this is what generates a lot more referrals and word of mouth because you've done something extraordinary. You've done something above and beyond. And you know most people don't ever do anything above what they say they're going to do. I'm guilty of this myself. I do. I, I rarely, I would say in my career, I've rarely gone above and beyond what I'd said I was going to do. And you know, so it's not like you can't have success with this, but you can have a lot more success if you do this sort of thing. Yeah. So one of the easiest ways that you can start doing this under promise over deliver thing is to start with under promise. If you think a project's, let's say you're a mix engineer and you think it's going to take you a week to mix, tell them it'll take you two weeks to mix. Just promise less than what you think you can do. Yeah. And that gets really, really easy to start saying, well, you know, I think this will take me a week. I'll tell them it'll take me two weeks. And if, if you're wrong and it'll take you a week and a half, you're not late. If you're right, and it did take you a week, and you send it back to them a week early, wow, you are a mind-blowingly awesome audio engineer, yep. and you're a real grown-up, and real grown-ups get hired a second time. All right, let's shift gears here. Um, let's move to number four of how to wow your customers, and that is something called, I love this word, vibe. We have kind of discussed this before, but you know, creating a very inviting, a very warm, a very... Uh, good vibe in your studio goes a long way. Yeah. It really does. And we really, you can't talk about this enough, but if you're trying to wow your customers and you're in a, like a gross, damp, dark basement with cinder block walls and, you know, unfinished concrete floors, you know, you're not going to do much <laughs> as far as wowing your customers. But if you can just go above and beyond just a little bit and go out of your way to help improve the vibe of your studio, this is going to go a long way towards wowing your customers. Yeah. So one of the things, I think there's a temptation and I, you know, confession here, 10 years ago, I would have said, that's dumb, Brian. You know, my clients need to be real men. And when they come in, we got one thing in mind and that's finishing this freaking record. So they need to, they need to buckle up. They need to strap their boots on and get ready to go. That's, I would have been wrong. 
Let's that do sounds it. like me in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> me too. And so I'm trying to imagine, you know, if I'm an artist and I walk into a studio and I'm getting ready to record the vocal on some song I wrote and the engineer says, oh, hold on just a second. And he runs in the vocal booth, pulls out a lighter and he lights a bunch of candles and he dims the lights and turns on the lava lamp. I don't know. And <laughs> no, it's, a salt, it's a salt lamp now, man. It's a salt lamp. Yeah. It t- turns on the big giant blocks of salt and says, all right, man, this feels good. You got this. Go for it. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I feel so loved. And I'm going to sing my freaking heart out. And I, that's not how, I, I don't think that's how I am, but I know that's how I am. If yeah, that makes sense. It's weird because like, I'm the type of person where like, I'm not emotional. I don't have like a lot of strong emotions in my heart. Typically, uh, I'm very even kill. I'm very medium, mm. as they say. And so, you know, the, the emotional stuff, you know, uh, I just don't really understand a lot of it. Uh, that's probably unhealthy in some way. I don't know. Maybe I should see a counselor. But vocalists generally are the more emotional type because they have to write lyrics from their heart. They have to, you know, I don't know what what or why that is, but just generally vocalists are a little more emotional than people like me. And so this is something I never, ever, ever understood. I didn't grasp this. I didn't know this. I didn't ever uh, do anything in my business to 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 improve this part of my life or my studio. And I could have gone a long way just to improve the vibe of the studio for the vocalists, dimming of lights, candles. You know, there's a lot of things you can do that go a long way in this world when it comes to, you know, appealing to the emotional side of your clients. Yeah. And I would say, I know there are people that are listening right now that are thinking, oh guys, get to the good stuff. Have you ever actually sat down and thought about where your next client will come from? Most freelancers don't. Because most freelancers' number one strategy for getting new clients is something called hope marketing. And if that sounds like you, you're not alone. Most freelancers think that just by putting out great work, clients will come banging down your door to hire you. Now, while you obviously do need to be good at what you do, we both know that this strategy does not work. Otherwise, your calendar would be 100% booked solid with amazing projects from your ideal clients. So to help you with this fight against hopium addiction, I'm excited to announce that our flagship coaching program, Clients by Design, has finally opened up applications again. This transformational coaching journey is not a one-size-fits-all. It's tailor-made just for you. We'll do a deep dive into your business to see what's missing, and we'll lay out a step-by-step roadmap to guide you over the next six to eight months. And here's the best part. We don't just give you the plan and send you on your way. We give you personal one-on-one help so you never get stuck. And we make sure you actually follow through with something called our absolute accountability system. So if you're ready to stop relying on hope marketing and ready to start building your own client acquisition machine so you can get a steady flow of clients, then it's time to step up and apply for clients by design and see if you're a good fit. Just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. And I'll be the first to say that this program is not for everyone. So far, we've only accepted about 25% of those who apply. So if you want to find out if you're a good fit, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach and fill out the application. Now here's our show. This is so mushy <laughs> and lame and just touchy feel. This isn't my, this isn't. That's, how, this is me. This is me talking right now. You're talking like yeah. me. <laughs> Trust us. Trust us. People are emotional and they buy for emotional reasons. And if yeah. you can cater to that, um, you're, you're going to do well. You're going to do well by that. Um, same thing goes to your marriage. <laughs> if you're a dude and you're getting married, even if you're a girl, you know, when you're marrying a dude, like this sort of stuff works. You know, if you treat people well, it has an impact on the relationship and it certainly has an impact on performance. 
when it comes to <laughs> artistic performance. <laughs> artistic oh, I performance, you, were about you marriage sicko. Performance. I thought you were talking about marriage performance. No. Okay. All right. All Nothing right. Nothing will help with that. I'm Trojan just kidding. Man. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this stuff really it has an impact. And honestly, if you do a good job with this and someone comes in and they nail the vocal on the first take, because they're in the right spot emotionally, guess what? You don't have to work as much that day. And that's pretty cool too. So there is a selfish businessy reason there, but you know, not something that you want to fail to take seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. So All right, move on, moving on to the next one here. Uh, so just to recap, we have uh, ask them about the story was number one. Buying them food was number two. Under promise, over deliver was number three. Getting that vibe right was number that four. vibe, yo. That vibe right. And number five is... Another big shift in gears here. So we're kind of bouncing all over the place, but this is a great way to wow your customers in a very easy way. And that is just going above and beyond when it comes to instruments in the studio. So instruments set up and repair. Mm. How many times, Chris, have you ever had bands? Uh, and you, know, you do mastering now, but back when you did producing and you had bands in the studio, how many, band, how many times do you see bands come in the studio with guitars that they they paid they may have paid guitar center to set their guitars up right but they're still garbage they're still the intonation's off it's it's a it's a tragedy but i see this all the time yeah. and this is a great way to to wow them is to go above and beyond to sit down for a second and take care of it for them and just say hey you know what this was not done well this is not done up to my standards the the guitar's still out of tune it's still you know the intonation's still off but you know what i got some i got some tools out here let's just sit down and let's get this knocked out yeah to answer your question, you know, how many times did I do that? The answer is pretty simple. All of them. Yeah, same here. Almost every single one of my clients. Yeah. I don't think I ever one time had a guitar that came into my studio that was set up properly. Yeah, ditto. Same with the bass. So, yeah, I would all the time, I'd say, let me see your bass real quick. I'd pull out my tools. I'd adjust their action. I'd adjust their intonation. And we'd sit there and we'd have a conversation while I did it. It's not very hard to learn how to do this. And it's an incredibly personal service you can provide for a musician not to mention it makes your job a lot easier if you're not sitting there auto-tuning bass after oh the fact or if you're like oh my gosh i'm gonna have to literally auto-tune some of the notes in this guy's solo on his guitar because his intonation was so bad it makes yep. the record so much better and it's part of like there are very few things you can say well this is a magical ingredient that makes for a good record good intonation on stringed instruments is a magical part of a good record. Same thing with amp stuff. You know, I, I was sort of too obsessed when I was producing with, um, I would like swap out the tubes and find a preamp tube that worked better for their amp. They'd bring in their amp and I'd had a collection of preamp tubes, 12AX7s for anyone wondering, and would switch these in with a 12AX7 or a 12AT7 or a 12AY7. That, that's the sound of the gear slow. Oh, just you're right. In the background. Oh, man. Sorry, guys. Yep. I got too into it. But I, I would do stuff where I would try to help their equipment help the record. And clients, not only did they make the record sound a heck of a lot better, but it also helped clients feel more love because it's like, oh, wow, I recorded today and my guitar sounds amazing now. Because he set my intonation up properly, and I want to I want to set um, I want to say something real quick, and that is about being a gear slut. If your client is a gear slut and they're all about guitar tubes and preamp tubes and all this stuff, absolutely be a gear slut with your client because that's Ooh. a great way for you to bond yeah. over stuff. Um, so how how he just specifically talked about a specific piece of gear, which we don't allow on this podcast, Chris. <laughs> 
I absolutely encourage it with your clients though, if that's what they're into. But if they don't care, if they don't know, then don't bombard them with shit they don't care or know about. Yeah. It shouldn't be your first go-to. I want to make the, I want to feel respected. I want them to, to trust me. So I'm going to start talking above their head. So one more in the vein of this instrument set up and repair is to just have strings, have strings, drumsticks, this kind of stuff in the studio for them. Um, you know, I've gone back and forth where I would charge them for stuff and where I wouldn't charge them for stuff. But I, I think this is one of those areas that it's so cheap. Uh, unless you're just charging nothing for your recordings, you know, I have multi-thousand dollar projects. So to to give them a pair of $5 strings, you know, a set of $5 strings, or to give them a pair of, you know, seven, $8 drumsticks, that goes a long way towards goodwill and reciprocity for my clients. And to charge them, yeah. And to charge them for that, you know, when they've already paid me several thousand dollars, I think it's kind of a slap in the face. So mm. having that stuff in the studio, I think it's a, it's a great way to just, I even went as far as giving them drum heads sometimes. You know, that can be 50, 60, 70, 80, $100 sometimes to, to reskin drums. And I would just include it in the price. And it would just be one of those things like, hey, man, your drum heads are awful. Um, and that's how I kind of talk back then. I wouldn't recommend talking like mm-hmm. that. Your drum heads are kind of awful. Let's, let's replace these. And, you know, and I'll just pull them out of the closet. They're happy. I'm happy. Drums sound great. It's a win, win, win. Yeah. Well, and you might have spent two or three hours later mixing drums on the whole record as a result of that. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. So that can have a big impact. So let's move on to number six here. Um, and we're shifting gears. Um, we're probably going to grind our gearbox to a mess here with this shift because this is a big shift. Coffee. <laughs> All right. Why do we have this on the list, Chris? Because, well, I know why we have this on the list. Yeah. Um, because now Chris, Chris is a, a coffee fiend and a, and a coffee whore, I'll say, uh, in the best possible way. And now he's, he's brought his, his slutty coffee ways to my life, which is now... <laughs> Chris got me into roasting my own coffee beans, which if we follow me on Instagram, Brian Hood with two zeros, H-0-0-D, Brian Hood, I have a whole story up um, of my first coffee roasting adventure. I bought a coffee roaster. I bought, you know, an AeroPress, all these nerdy coffee things. And um, so now we're obsessed with coffee, Chris and I together, and he got me into it. And we're going to bring this to the Six Figure Home Studio Nation. But why do we have this on this list of a way to wow your customers, Chris? Well, I'll tell you what. Let me tell you guys a story. So when Brian and I first met, um, I was planning on coming down to m- months and months later, was going to come down to Nashville for NAM last summer. And I was like, well, you know, I really want to do something nice for Brian. He's letting me stay with him. Um, I want to be this guy's friend. Um, so what I'm going to do um, is I'm into coffee. I'm going to roast some, some beans so that they'll be perfectly fresh when I get there. And I'm going to bring all my doodads and I'm going to make coffee for Brian while I'm staying with him. And here's the thing. Uh, my hobby is this. Can I make the best cup of coffee I've ever had in my life for m- myself and for my wife each morning? And I've been doing that for a couple of years. And at this point, I'm pretty good at it. Um, I roast my own beans. I grind them by hand. I have like a little hand grinder. Um, I use an AeroPress as my sort of coffee mechanism of choice. They're like $30. They're very inexpensive. We have uh, reverse osmosis water in the house. We've got um, a special electric kettle that heats the water to a specific temperature, 175 degrees for those of you wondering. And I'm pretty good at it. And it's a really, really fun way to serve people is to make them the best cup of coffee they've ever had or one of the best cups of coffee they've ever had. And I'll never forget the first time I made Brian a cup of coffee and you know you hand it to him. And uh, here's the thing, coffees in our country is very bad very bad even a great cup of coffee in our country is actually terrible 
Because to make a great cup of coffee, you need fresh roasted beans. And fresh roasted, I mean 12 to 48 hours within roasting. Not like four to eight weeks like it is in most places. So coffee is a really easy um, hobby to take up where you can blow your client's mind. If you say, hey, come on over. We'll start you know, around 10 o'clock. Don't bring coffee. I'll make it for you. And they come in and you're grinding beans by hand and you are like taking your special little goose snout, pour over doohickey and you're pouring the water and then you hand them the most amazing cup of coffee that they've ever had. That builds relationships, buddy. So let me, let me kind of piggyback off his story. Chris was staying with me nine months ago and I still remember the moment I drank the first sip of the Chris Graham good (laughs) cup of coffee. I'm not even lying to you. So this is why this is number six on our list because it does absolutely, if you can get good at this, it is a wow type moment. If your clients are into coffee, that is. And honestly, I think the majority of Americans are into coffee or at least can appreciate a decent cup of coffee. They may not, you know, completely appreciate all the intricacies of all the different roasts and the different bean types and the different, you know, flavor profiles and all that crap. And truly, I don't either uh, to the, for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that's like, oh, there's hints of nuts and cherry. And, uh. Like, I, I'm not like, I'm like, that's a, can I'm you use like, that voice good or way more often on the podcast? Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So back to the, the wowing your customers thing. Hobbies like this, you know, a lot of times you're going to find that you you bond with your clients over these types of hobbies a lot. I mean, I, I did an Instagram story and it's the most replied to story I've ever had on Instagram with dozens of replies related to coffee. It's not even audio related and or business related. And, and, and if you see that, you know, within Instagram or I did, I think you're going to see that with your clients as well. Yeah. And, and not only that, at the very least, if they're not into the act of roasting coffee, at the very least, they can appreciate you doing all of that work to hand them a cup of coffee that you put your blood, sweat, and tears into. Yeah, and so you could you could fill coffee with a lot of other things. Let's say that you are really into poached eggs. They're kind of hard to make. If you make poached eggs for a client, they're gonna be like, whoa, and you made the hollandaise sauce yourself? Oh my goodness. <laughs> you, um, another thing I love doing for people is I love making popcorn on the stove. And I'm, it's delicious, it's incredible. It's way better than store-bought popcorn. But that act of service to say, I made this for you and I took the time to become awesome at this. I you know, and know when I understand how different types of salt are going to affect the popcorn. I get nerdy and I like to learn these things. If you can develop hobbies that you can use to serve other people, that can help you in your business. Yeah. And another fun story about Chris, you go to his house, he can hand you a nice little chapstick lip balm thing made from beeswax of bees he raised in his backyard. And then <laughs> he'll make you uh, a honey butter biscuit with the honey from the bees that he has in his backyard. So, and he probably made the butter, he probably made the biscuit by hand as well. Who well, knows? My, my wife would have made the biscuit. But okay. I'm a this bee, I'm this a bee stuff keeper. goes a long way. Yeah, he's yeah. a beekeeper. Chris is a beekeeper. So this, this stuff goes a long way. <laughs> if I went to Chris's house, he made this, he, I saw him roast the beans. He hand ground all the beans. He... Uh, you know, and by the way, I'm not going to get into hand grinding versus having a nice electric grinder. I'm about to buy a nice electric grinder because the, uh, the amount of time it takes to grind some beans is a, I don't like it. Anyways, you go through all this, you get some honey from your backyard. You get this freshly roasted experience of beans and coffee and all this stuff that goes a long way towards wowing a customer. At the end of the day, no one has ever done that for a client. All those things I just said. And so if you can be the one guy that has all these weird, interesting things like Chris that they do 
that not only does it set you apart from all these other boring basic studios around you, but it also creates that sense of reciprocity with your clients, which also goes a very, very long way. Yeah. And again, this when you're doing things like this, when you're poaching an egg or you're roasting coffee or you're making coffee or you're, you know, what whatever, this is about service. It's not about you being the hero in the story. It's about you loving extravagantly. And I think when you do that, okay. it it really has a big impact on things. And it makes you stand out and it creates these moments where clients are like, oh man, that was so cool when he did that. No one's ever poached an egg for me that was really good um so yeah there's a lot of things you can do you, you can do where you, you know, fill in the blank with you know whatever hobby that you've taken the time taken the time to develop so that you can serve people that can really have a big impact and it can set you apart and i really think it's the intersection of your interests your hobbies of where you can serve your clients the most i'm really into coffee so if a client's coming over in the morning um which doesn't happen that often but when they do i'm definitely making them coffee and then I'm going, going to work with them. And that's a cool intersection of two interests that I have. And it's a way that I can, you know, love on people better. Yep. All right. So we got number six coffee here. What's number seven on our list now? Small gift. Getting your client a small gift. You know, doing something thoughtful. Um, whether that's like Billy Decker, you know, does the Decker boards. Or whether that's, um, you know, I've thrown around the idea of uh, taking the beeswax from my bees. I've got a whole bunch of leftover beeswax that, that happens when you raise bees uh, with a Kenyan top bar beehive. That's the, the method I prefer. You get a lot, of, a lot of wax and you can make balms, lip balms and stuff like that. So I could, you know, give a small gift like that. So a gift that they can take home um, is cool. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's a sign of friendship and, and it definitely, I, I think, is going to make you more memorable to potential clients yeah. or to clients you've had that you want to get to come back. This, this one actually works really well for clients and girlfriends or wives. Yeah. Who would have thought that uh, just general relationship advice would yeah. be effective in the studio? Yep. Yep. That's hilarious. Okay. So small gift. I 100% agree with that. Um, and I'm not going to sit and give gift ideas, but just think of something that's personal, something that's uh, relatively small, not something that's like, oh, Weird. I feel icky yeah. taking this from you because here's it's a, $200. Here's yeah. a car. Yeah. Don't do that. No, there's, there's definitely a, uh, a size limit depending on your relationship with that person. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, small gift goes a long way when it comes to just being memorable, wowing your customers back to that reciprocity effect of, you know, doing something above and beyond what you should be doing and even over or over delivering and under promising. Yeah. Small gift can go a long way with that. Yeah. So that's a, a nice short one there, but small gift, small part. Uh, so number eight now. This one's cheesy, guys. But it's, oh God, it's this good. one's the cheesiest one. This is all Chris here. I'm not this cheesy, guys. But <laughs> I'm gonna let you take this one away, Chris. All right, man. So for you, like manly men out there that don't think you know, that think it's bad to have emotions and stuff like that, you're not gonna be a fan of this one. But for some artists, it is extremely effective. One of the things you could do if you wanted an artist to feel cared for, if you wanted them to bring their A game when they're performing, and this I think would be especially effective with uh, vocalists. Yeah, I would say vocalists are a little more emotional. Yeah. A little more, and finely tuned with their emotions. Okay, so let's say you've got a guy coming over to your house tomorrow. You're working on the seventh song on his album, and this seventh song is about his wife. So you want to be sure that you get the best possible performance and the least amount of takes, right? That's your job as a producer. Yep. So you reach out to his wife, your Facebook messenger, and you say, I'd like you to do me a favor. Can you write a personal note, put it in an envelope, and drop it by the studio before your husband comes over. 
and you get the mic set up, you get all the levels checked, and right before it's time for take one, you say, uh, you turn around and you say, all right, buddy, you ready? And he says, yeah, and you hand him the note from his wife that you haven't read, obviously, because that'd be super creepy. Yes. <laughs> and you have him read a note from his wife that assures him how much she loves him and you know how happy she makes him, and then you press the little red button. Are you going to get a better performance? with that note from his wife or without that note from his wife? Depends on... What the note says, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on whether they love each other truly. Yeah. But, no, that, that, I would say, generally, if, if the song's emotional, if it's about someone he loves and the note speaks to those emotions, he's going to be in a better frame of mind to give a better performance that, that truly conveys those emotions in the song. Yeah. So this, this item right here is just enlist the help of their friends and loved ones, when you're trying to get someone to have an emotional performance, to get their dad to write them a note, to get their mom to write them a note, you're giving them something that shows them that their loved ones support them, that shows them that their loved ones are excited about the art that they're making. That's a powerful, powerful thing. So don't discount emotional manipulation <laughs> as, a, as a tool to use. And I, I, obviously I don't mean manipulation. I mean, no, doing yeah, it's genuinely it's good emotional thing. encouragement is what I would yes. call it. Don't underestimate the value of encouragement from their loved ones um, and getting them to perform better. And also, and then recognizing you care about me, you want to help me on my journey. And that's why you've enlisted the help of other guides the help of other people that are on my journey to help me on my journey. That's yep. cool. Yep. That's super yep. cool. All right. So number nine now on, you know, our 10 potential ways to wow your customers is calling out. We've talked about this before on the podcast. Yeah. It's calling out a gifting or potential. It's focusing on the good. It's encouraging those good things and not so much discouraging the bad things. Yeah, so when you sit down, I think this is particularly effective when you have a younger client, someone younger than you are. Impressionable. Impressionable. And you sit down and you've noticed that, wow, man, this kid's falsetto is ridiculous, but he only uses it on the bridge of song number five. To sit down and say, man, you know, Joey, you have an incredible falsetto. It is exceptionally good. You need to use it more. You need to spend more time experimenting with that and specifically writing songs around that falsetto. Joey's mind is going to be blown to have someone say, Hey, I can see that you're really good at this one thing. And I think you should invest in that. That's amazing. Now I'm giving you this advice. I'm also preaching to Chris Graham from like 10 years ago. Yeah. 12 years we ago. We both talked about this in detail yeah. of how shitty we were at oh, this man. in our early in our careers. My mentality was very much, I'm going to go into a garden and rather than planting things, I'm going to pull the things out that I don't want. I'm going to really- <laughs> Which makes sense. It yeah. makes sense, you know, from a purely logical standpoint. But yes. the problem is humans are not purely logical. Yeah, amen to that. So that's a big thing to, to, to kind of switch it around here. If you're the type of producer that I was, that was, I'm going to focus on what I don't like and tell you not to do it anymore, as opposed to a producer who walks in and tells you what I like and asks you to do more of it. You're going to have a much, much, much better response when you do that. And if you can actually compare this to dog training, uh, I, I, I don't know this for a fact. I don't know a whole lot about dog training, but from the little I've researched, 
dogs typically respond better to positive reinforcement training versus negative reinforcement training, meaning they get rewarded when they do the things you like. That ends up having better results as far as dog training compared to when you just punish the dog when they do something you don't like. And again, I don't know this for a thousand percent fact, but from what I've heard and read, that seems to be the case. Yeah. So I read one time, um, not really about dogs, but about psychology. And I love this. I, I reference this all the time. They said, if you condense everything we know about, about psychology down into one sentence, that sentence is, you get what you reward for. Ooh. And man, I love that. And let me tell you what, I got three kids. It's true. <laughs> it's very, very, very true. You do get what you reward for. And I think there's a popular mentality in our audio community that you get what you um, you get what you want if you eliminate everything else that you don't want with a client. You know, hey, don't do that anymore. Back away from the mic. Hey, um, you sound flat there. <laughs> that sort of thing. This is like recordings from my old career. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is something not. Don't discount this. This is powerful information. If I could go back in time and communicate only a few things to my younger self, this is one of the things I would tell my younger self. And I'm not that old. So yep. here, this is important. So calling out a gifting or a potential, uh, potential gifting that you see in a client can be very, very powerful. And it'll set you apart from the other D-bags that are just being jerks and being condescending and being rude and trying to make themselves the hero in the story. Yep. For, you're going to set yourself apart from all the other Brian's and Chris's in the world. Yeah. And you'll feel better about yourself at the end of the day. You will. That's true. And you'll have a lot more friends from clients. All right. So the last one now that we have on our list here of potential ways to wow your clients. This is the most obvious and least obvious at the same time because mm -hmm. so few people do this. But when you hear it, you're going to like, oh, of course. Number 10 is just fucking help them. Just help your clients. What are they trying to do? And then help them do that thing. So if it's something as simple as getting the vocal take the way they want it, you obviously are going to help them do that. But if they're trying to get signed, if they're trying to find uh, someone to print merch, if they're trying to find someone to release their album, oh, that was redundant. They're trying to find someone to tour with. If they're trying to find a booking agent, if they're trying to find graphic a graphic designer. designer, yeah. If they're trying to find a videographer, help them. Help them get what they're trying to get. Because at the end of the day, if your client wins, then you win. Because most successful producers that I know that are doing this at a high level, doing this full time, they have one, two, three, four, or five clients at the very least who, are, who have some level of success. And if you do not have that list of clients in your past that have had some level of success, chances are you are not going to have nearly as much success as you could in your careers. So by helping your clients get to where they want to be, you are helping your own career get to where you want it to be. Mm, very true words. You're right. It is one of these things that's super obvious, but not obvious at the same time. And I think it, yeah, I, I don't know what else I could add it's, to that. It's not obvious because I went the first seven years of my career without ever really doing this. Yeah. Help them. Help them. Yeah. I mean, do we, is there anything else you want to add to that? Or is that, I pretty much knock it out that's, of the park there. That's it. Okay, good, good, good. Well, just to recap all these, Chris, um, number one, ask them about their story. Number two, buy them some damn food. Yeah. Three, under promise, over deliver. Number four, create a nice vibe. Number five, do something, go above and beyond with instrument repair, setup, 
you know, having things in the studio, they're going to help with that. Number six, coffee. Mm. <laughs> Do we need to say any more about that? Number seven, some sort of small gift. Number eight, asking for help from their friends and loved ones. Number nine, calling out some sort of gifting or potential. So focusing on the good instead of uh, focusing on the bad. And then number 10, just fucking help them at the end of the day. So that is it for this list. I, I want to go of above and beyond here and we want to help you with one specific thing and that is to create better coffee. Chris, <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do for our, our uh, listeners here when it comes to coffee? Yeah, if you click on the show notes um, in the episode, that'll take you to the website. Um, or you um, can just go to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash 24. That's slash two, four, the number two and four. There you go. I will put a link to an Amazon wish list. And I will include all of the coffee doodads that I recommend <laughs> that can help you make amazing coffee. So I will include, um, you know, all of my coffee gadgets in there. And here's the thing. It's really inexpensive to get really good at making coffee. Especially if you're paying, you know, three or four bucks a day for, God forbid, Starbucks or your local coffee shop. Yeah. Um, that stuff adds up quickly. So I think, you know, I've already probably saved about half of what I've spent in the first two weeks of owning my own coffee roaster. Yeah, that's the thing for, for uh, my wife and I too, is that we used to spend 60 to $90 a month on going to coffee shops. We don't even spend $20 a month now. I, I, yeah. we probably don't my coffee budget was $100 a month for a while. Yeah, so we spend nothing now because we you know, use the AeroPress and I'll put my coffee up against anybody's. It's I, and I great. will too, because your coffee is fantastic. All right. That's completely unrelated to anything business or audio, but we just thought it'd be fun because we've been talking about coffee so damn much. And now I'm into this hobby. So Indeed. go to the six figure home studio.com slash 24. That's two, four. And uh, you can get the show notes. You can get links to anything else we mentioned in this episode. And you can also get that link to that Amazon wish list where Chris will include all of his uh, coffee gear. So you can gear slot it out with some good coffee. Bingo. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. Hopefully this episode, again, was another insightful one. I know we were kind of all over the place, but you know, at the end of the day, really one aha moment is enough to really change your business in a, in a big way. So hopefully you got some sort of aha moment today. Hopefully there's some sort of action that you are going to take today in order to make a difference in your business from now on, right? Or into the future or something that's going to help that growth curve start to go up in your business. Now that this episode's over, I want to re-remind you again of that free 90-minute workshop. This is not some little six-minute Facebook video. This is something that will hopefully change the trajectory of your career in a big way. And that is that workshop that will cover those three big areas. And ultimately, it's, it's just something that's going to help you find more clients for your studio and to help raise your rates to a sustainable level to where you can make a living doing what you're doing. So if you want to join that workshop, you can go right now for free to theprofitable.studio. That is theprofitable.studio. That's the URL. Just type that into your browser and you will find the registration page for that workshop. You can sign up today and get on the schedule for the next one that I'm doing. Next week's episode is, we're going to be talking about something that I think is very, very, very important to your business. And that thing is dot, 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 
I don't know, actually. We haven't recorded next week's episode yet. So uh, you're going to have to kind of be on the edge of your seat for that one because I don't even know what it is right now. But uh, I hope to see you again next week. It's always Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. The episodes come out. They are live for you to listen to uh, on your way to work or if you're in the UK or Germany or somewhere, uh, maybe on your way home from work or maybe during your lunch break if you're somewhere in between. But uh, I hope to see you again every, every single Tuesday we put a new episode out. So until next time, happy hustling and I hope to see you inside that free workshop. Whoa.